Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Uh, Welcome. Uh, If you weren't here earlier, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Fritz. Uh, I also want to make really clear, this is baptism. Okay. So, uh, all right. So whatever else you think you know, you don't. Okay. So really glad you're here. Um, If this is your first time with us uh, and we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you after the service and say hello. Um, I don't know if I'll hug you like Matt would, but I'll at least give you a handshake. Uh, (laughs) So, hey, um, this morning uh, I was actually going to call this message Salvation is Supernatural. Um, And I changed the title uh, not because... It's not true, but rather, as I was studying this week, uh, I learned something that I did not realize before. Um, As I'm digging through the scriptures, I come to realize that nowhere in the Bible actually is the word supernatural ever used. Uh, On top of that, you actually, the original language of Greek and Hebrew, you don't find the word miracle. Uh, Now, you will see in our English translation, sometimes the word miracle shows up, uh, which that's not wrong, but the rather what the Bible uses in the original language to refer to as miracles are mighty works, signs, and wonders. And so those are the words that are used uh, from the original Greek, mighty works, signs, and wonders. And sometimes those are translated the English word miracle. And so as I learned that this week, uh, not because salvation isn't supernatural, but I really got drawn to this word wonders. And I began to realize that, yes, salvation is supernatural, but also salvation is wonderful. And, and I wanted to dive into that and what that meant and what that looked like. And so when we're talking about wonder, uh, we're, not, we're not talking about wandering, right? Some of you have been wandering through the stores uh, over the last couple of weeks. My wife texted me not too long ago because the Kroger near our house is changing everything up and she's wandering through the store because nothing is where it used to be. By the way, you hit an age where that's really important. Uh, not saying anything about my wife, I'm just saying, okay? Uh, but anyways, so, so not wandering, but wondering, right? Being filled with wonder, being filled with awe, being amazed, simply marveling at something. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about wonder. Just taking something in that's overwhelming us. And as I thought about that word wonder, the question came to me, when's the last time that you wondered? When's the last time that you were just simply filled with wonder and awe and amazement. And if I could take that question just one more layer deeper, when is the last time you just simply wondered at God? When, when's the last time you simply sat in front of him? You, you, just, you, you were in awe, you were amazed, you marveled at how incredibly amazing and awesome he is. When is the last time you wondered at Jesus' gift of salvation? And so what I, what I want to do today is I want to show you why Jesus' birth is wonderful, why Jesus' salvation is wonderful, and quite frankly, how to live a life of wonder. 
today. And so if you brought a Bible, as Pastor Matt mentioned, if you would open up to John chapter 1, but I'd also like you to find Matthew chapter 1. So John 1 first, and then kind of put a mark into Matthew chapter 1, because we're going to go there as well. Uh, So we're in this series called Mighty to Save, and we've been looking uh, for this week Uh, excuse me, last week, this week, and next week, we're looking at the birth of Christ and how that helps us understand what salvation really looks like for us. And so um, that's where we're going to be going today. Uh, Before we go any further, I do want to take a moment and pray together. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, um, it is wonderful to celebrate as a church family this morning, to celebrate the work you're doing in the lives of people. Um, My prayer is, as we saw Tyler take a step in his own journey today, that maybe it reminded us of when we took that step. Or maybe it's becoming an invitation for us in our own lives, for those who haven't taken the step of baptism, or those who are still investigating, what what is Jesus, what is God all about? And we pray that today would be a day where we would see with clarity how wonderful, how amazing you really are. And so would you open up our eyes? to be able to see you with clarity? Would you open up our ears for us to be able to hear your voice through the scriptures, through prayer, and then maybe some way through the the work of your spirit, uh, through the words that I have to share as well. Um, And may we wonder at how awesome and incredible you are. We, We humbly and yet expectantly ask these things through the great name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. So Jesus' birth is wonderful. I mean, it just, it really is. Now, when we're talking about Jesus' birth, I think for the most part, what we're usually talking about is we're talking actually about his conception. And, and what is unique about Jesus from every single one of us is the fact that Jesus had a, what is known as a virgin conception. And define what that means is that he, he did not come into this world by some kind of sexual relationship, right? It was not two humans that made a decision to make this happen. And it wasn't even a divine being having a sexual relation with a human, right? That's not what happened here. What's happening in the case of Jesus, this virgin conception, this virgin birth, is a wonderful miracle. It's this wonderful reality that none of us really fully understand. Literally, theologians have spent thousands of years trying to grasp and understand and explain what's referred to as the incarnation, right? Jesus becoming flesh. And and there's no way to grasp it. And so I thought we could look at a couple of passages from the Bible and how the Bible writers described it and what we might be able to learn from that. The, The first verse I would invite you to go to is John chapter 1, verse 14. Um, and in fact, let's do this. Let's read this verse out loud together, starting with the word became flesh. Are you ready? Go. The word became flesh and made his. Okay. Yep. Just hang there for a second. So what John says, right? The apostle John, he says the word became flesh. By the way, the word is another way of referring to Jesus. That's what John is doing here. He's referring to Jesus as the word. And so he says, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so what he's saying is God, who is spirit, clothed himself in flesh and came into creation as a human. This is what John is saying in just one phrase. God, who is spirit, clothed himself in flesh and came into his creation as a human being. And so he is both God 
and man. And not like 50-50, but rather 100% God, 100% man. What is true about God is true about Jesus. What is true about humans is true about Jesus, except one thing, and we'll talk about that later. But what John said is the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that's all the more explanation that we get from the Apostle John. Now, if you jump over, I asked you to find Matthew chapter 1, right? So go over, find Matthew chapter 1, or click over there uh, on your device, uh, verse 18. And it says this, that this then is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And so this is what Matthew describes. He says she was, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't get into uh, what it looked like, how it got there, the mechanics, like all the kind of stuff. He says, it happened. It took place. And this isn't Joseph's kid. And this isn't someone else's kid. This is a supernatural, this wonderful, amazing, marvelous, mighty work of the Holy Spirit. Right? So John simply says, the word became flesh. Matthew says, this is a work done by the Holy Spirit through the Virgin Mary. Now, if you jump over to Luke chapter 1, you don't have to go there, but it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 1, verses 34 and 35 say this, right? The the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you are going to carry God's son, right? God in the flesh. And her question is, how will this be since I am a virgin? And look at his response. He says, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and the power of the most, whole, uh, the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so what Gabriel is describing, he's saying the Holy Spirit's going to move towards you. He's going to cover you the way that a cloud would cover somebody, right? The way that a shadow would fall upon somebody. And through that will be this amazing, wonderful miracle of God coming into the flesh. And that's all the more explanation that Luke gives. And then you go to the Gospel of Mark. You know what Mark has to say about it? Nothing. (laughs) He doesn't say anything about the birth or the conception of Jesus. In fact, when you look at the Bible as a whole... All of the Bible simply believes and affirms that this is a fact, that the Holy Spirit, through this amazing, mighty work, this sign, this wonder, brought God into the flesh through the Virgin Mary. And there's no explanation about it, of the mechanics. Because for the Bible, how is not a priority. So you and I, we get really wrapped up in the how. And there's a level where I think the reason we get wrapped up in the how is we kind of want to, we just want to know. We want to understand. But there's also a level to go, I wonder if we could recreate it, right? You always want to know how because I, I want to know how. And then maybe there's a way to control this thing and make it happen again. And so the Bible doesn't focus on how, but the Bible focus is on what was. And what it says is that the Holy Spirit was absolutely central to the physical birth of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible affirms. That the Holy Spirit is absolutely central to the birth of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible wants you to know that Jesus coming into the world is not a human decision. This is not a work of people. In fact, if it was just people, it's not Jesus. This is not God. And so that this is a work of the Holy Spirit. The other reason that this is a work of the Holy Spirit is because the Bible is telling you that God kept his promise. 
He kept his promise through Isaiah, who said that a virgin would be with child. Right? And he would be called Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. And so the point is, is that God is keeping his promise that he made. And the other thing that the Bible wants you to be clear on with the virgin birth of Jesus is that Jesus is God's son. This is no illegitimate child. This is not a kid that nobody wants to claim. This is actually God's son. And in multiple places through the scriptures, you see God affirming that at Jesus' baptism, right? A voice breaks through heaven. This is my son. At his transfiguration, when God's glory came on Jesus like a cloud, by the way, same exact word that Gabriel used to talk about how the Holy Spirit would overshadow Mary. At Jesus' transfiguration, God spoke again, this is my son. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so you have to see that the Bible wants you to know that Jesus' physical birth was a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit had to be a part of Jesus' physical birth. Why? Why did the Holy Spirit have to be a part of Jesus' physical birth? Because the Holy Spirit has to be a part of our spiritual birth. Right? You begin to see that the birth of Christ actually points to salvation in Christ as well. What do I mean when I say that the Holy Spirit has to be a part of our spiritual birth? Well, I think it's best to look at John chapter 3. So if you have your Bible or you've got your phone and you want to bleep bloop over to John chapter 3, find John chapter 3 and you're going to look at verse 1. Because what's happening here is a religious leader, actually a teacher, almost a PhD, comes to Jesus and has a conversation with him. And I just want to read this for you so you can see. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So this guy knows his scripture. Right? This is not some intern. This is not a first-year college student trying to show off you know, what knowledge he learned uh, in 101. This is, this is an expert of the law. He is a part of the ruling leaders. Nicodemus, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs. Right? There it is. The signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Right? And then Jesus is like, Ooh, right? Like, gross. That's not what we're talking about, Nicodemus. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And I want you to notice this question that Nicodemus asks. How can this be? This is the same exact question that Mary asked when Gabriel said, you're going to give birth to God's son. She said, how can this be? And Nicodemus is born again by the Spirit. How can this be? And this is Jesus' response. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Right? He's amazed, but he knew. And so 
So this conversation with Nicodemus, it's like, hey, you're clearly from God. The signs, the mighty works, the wonders, let us know. And Jesus goes, yeah, if you want to be a part of the kingdom, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. And Nicodemus says, how? And Jesus said, it's a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can be born again. It's a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. And then what he says is he says, you know, it's a lot like the wind. You see the wind. You feel the wind. You heal the wind. Or excuse me, you, you hear the wind. But yet you, you can't control the wind. Right? Like, go, go grab your shopping bag from Kroger, try to catch some wind, put it in your pocket, and then use it later, right? Like, see if you can do it. That about, makes about as much sense of controlling the wind as you could control the Holy Spirit. This is what he's saying. He goes, so you cannot control this, but you see it, you hear it, you feel it. And Nicodemus is just like, what? I don't, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And Jesus goes, how can you be an expert of the law? How can you be an expert in matters of faith and yet you don't grasp this? Why is that? Well, I think there's two reasons Nicodemus struggled with this. And it might be the same reasons that you and I struggle with this sometimes. Partly, salvation is a mystery. It's a mystery. It is a mystery that a holy God would step into our world Live the life that we were supposed to live but didn't. Take on the death we were supposed to die, but we couldn't, so that we could have his reward of a relationship with God that we don't deserve to have. That's a what? That's a mystery. And then the other side of that was like, well, well, how does somebody come to faith? What does it look like? Like, when's the moment that they, they came? Like, what is, you know, and so people have tried to figure out the equation. And I got to tell you, it never works. It never lines up. It's this mystery, right? It's this work of the spirit. And so partly he struggles to understand it because it's a mystery. But there's another reason that Nicodemus struggled to understand. And the reality is, is that his eyes were not opened yet. Because... The Holy Spirit hadn't opened his eyes yet for him to grasp it and for him to understand it. And you might be going, well, where do you get that from? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, the apostle Paul, who himself had his eyes opened by the Holy Spirit to the truth of Jesus, wrote this. He said, these, th- these are the things God has revealed to us by, the, by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God freely what God has freely given us this is what we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom but in words taught by the spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words the person here's the important thing and I think this is where Nicodemus lies in and it actually may be where some of us lie in as well The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Nicodemus was coming to Jesus as a master of philosophy and theology, and yet at the same time resisting the work of God that was right in front of him. And so he could not understand what Jesus was talking about because the Holy Spirit had not opened up his eyes yet. And so there's just a level where until the Spirit of God helps you to see, you simply can't, right? It's not possible. 
But when you see what salvation is, you can't unsee it. And I want to give you, we used this definition for salvation last week. I want to use it again because I think it'll be helpful. When we're talking about salvation, because I think that word gets thrown around a lot, you have to understand that salvation is threefold. Number one, it's a rescue from sin and death. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back, listen to that teaching, that'll help you understand what that's all about. It's a rescue from sin and death. But the other thing, it's a renewal of your spirit, which is what we're talking about today, right? That God brings us to life. He awakens our spirit, that even though we might be physically alive, we're spiritually dead without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. But the third part of salvation is it brings us into a right relationship with God. And we're going to unpack that more next week. So salvation is rescue, it's renewal, and it's a right relationship with God. And the other thing too that I hope you've been seeing clearly is that salvation is a move of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. And the way that it works and the way that it plays out is that God invites you to know him. And then the second half of that is we respond. But you have to have the invitation before you can respond, right? And so there's all kinds of ways that God invites us into this gift, this wonderful gift of salvation. And so he might invite us by asking questions, right? A friend, uh, someone you trust who's a believer might start asking you questions about life and about eternity and about what is true, right? This is what's going on with Nicodemus. And so there's an invitation that's happening. You may have some type of climactic event, maybe a moment where you feel like your life was spared, and quite frankly, it should have been over in that moment. That can be an invitation from the Lord. There could be this key turning point in your life where you start to prioritize and think about what is really a value in this life. That can be an invitation from God. It could be as simple as what some of you received this week, and the reason you're here this morning is someone invited you to church. That can be an invitation from God. By the way, that's how my story started. My friend simply invited me to go to church when I was 16, 17 years old. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And so I went for like six months. And I was just learning. I didn't know anything about God. I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't know anything. But I'm hearing all these things about God. And six months later, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes. Right? And I saw. I saw. What did I see? Well, I'll tell you what I saw, and it's what I think God wants all of us to see. The first thing I saw was this. I was aware, I became very, very aware that I needed God. I could see that with amazing clarity that night. I, I was far away from God, and I needed him, right? I could see the trajectory of my life without God, and I could see where it was going, right? You don't have that kind of clarity when you're 16 or 17 years old. You see, like, about five feet in front of you, and it's usually a girl, um, but, right, so... But I could see the direction of my life, and I'm like, I don't think I want to keep doing this, but I don't know how to not do this anymore. And I saw with clarity that I needed God, and that the pathway of my life was taking me further and further away from him. I saw that. And the other thing that I think is very critical for every person to see is that you clearly see that the answer is Jesus. I think you've got to see your need for God, and I think you've got to see that the answer, the only answer, is Jesus. It's not church attendance. It's not being a better person. It's not paying your taxes on time. It's not dropping a little tip in the jar before you leave the restaurant, right? It's not, that, that's not, all that stuff's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is that is not the pathway forward. That's not the answer. You have to see that your only answer is Jesus. And every other answer will fall short and it'll fail you. And so when God invites you and you see that, what do we do? Well, you respond to, like you would to any other invitation, when, when someone invites you, you either go, okay, I'll show up, or, no, thank you, I found something better to do. 
The same thing is true with the Lord. When God invites you, you need to respond. How do we respond? I'm going to share with you really quickly three ways to respond. The first one is repent and believe. Repent and believe. Now, those are words, again, get thrown out a lot. I'm not sure that we always have really clear definitions of what that means or what that looks like. So I want to unpack this word repent, and I want to use a Bible verse to explain it. So let's uh, up on the screen, you'll see Proverbs chapter 28, verses 13 and 14. I think this helps us understand what repentance is with clarity. It says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. Now, if you're looking at this passage, what it says is those who try to hide their sin, those who try to hide the wrong deeds that they do, those who try to hide the fact that they're leading life on their own leadership, making their own decisions without God, it's not going to go well for them. It says, but rather the one who confesses and the one who renounces finds mercy. That's the first half of repentance. Repentance is actually turning away from a self-led life. Repentance is looking at a life under your own leadership without God and going, that is a pitch in the dirt. That is a waste of time. That is a waste of energy. That is a waste of my life. That's the first half of repentance. The second half of repentance is verse 14. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. So you turn away from self-leadership and you turn towards leadership by God. That's repentance. And so when God invites you, it begins with repentance and go, wow, I see the trajectory of my life and I don't want to keep doing this. You turn away from that, you turn towards God. But then the second half of that responding to the invitation is belief. Repent and believe. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, is a really good, helpful understanding of what belief is. It says this, now faith, actually, let's do this. Let's read this passage out loud together, starting with, now faith is confidence. Are you ready? Go. Now faith is confidence in what we, and assurance about, yeah. Faith is confidence and it's assurance. Let me tell you what faith is. Let me tell you what belief, let me tell you what faith is. Faith is a conscious decision to believe. That's what faith is. Faith is an intentional decision to believe. To believe that Jesus is God. To believe that Jesus really did die in your place for your sins. That Jesus really did rise from the dead and is alive today. And that anybody who responds to him through repentance and faith will receive forgiveness and a whole new life. And here's what's amazing, is when you turn away from leadership, your own leadership on your own life, and you turn to God, and you choose to believe, what happens is the wonderful, supernatural miracle of salvation. And you're rescued, and you're renewed, and you're brought into a right relationship with God. That's what happens. And it's this amazing mystery, and it's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it's incredible, and there's nothing like it. And so if you have not come to the place yet where you have repented and believed on God's invitation, that would be a step for you, right? To work through that, to consider that. But if you're already there, if you've crossed that line, if you've turned away from self-leadership, you're walking with God, you've repented, you've believed, here's what I would say to you. Learn how to enjoy the wonder of salvation, Learn how to enjoy the wonder of salvation. And I wonder, 
Do you remember the first time you ever saw Christmas lights as a kid? Can you go back to that moment? Because I can't. I don't remember at all, right? I just remember Christmas lights all the time. But I'll tell you what I do remember. I remember the first time that my youngest daughter, Karis, saw Christmas lights. She was about two years old, and we were walking through Menards. I think I was going to get a pipe or some kind of you know, something for plumbing. It was like my fourth trip there. If you've ever done plumbing projects, you're going at least three or four times to find your right thing. So anyways, we're going through. We're going pretty quick to get what we need to do. So I'm going to do a shortcut through Menards' Christmas section. That does not become a shortcut when you have a two-year-old walking with you, right? But I'll, I, I'll never forget. I'm walking, and I'm holding Karis's hand. We're walking together, and all of a sudden, she's slowing down, she's slowing down, she's slowing down. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And I look, and she's just going, because oh. in Menards, right, they have all the trees out and all the lights out, and they always set it up like this little forest that you're walking through. And so I'm like, oh, man. All right, you cute, adorable little girl. Let's go walk through there. And so she's looking, and she's just, oh. Her eyes are massive and her mouth is open. And I mean, she's just taking all of this in. And she just simply wondered in this moment. And I felt like a total heel, right? Like, come on, come on, come on. But for some of us, the best thing that would, for you would be to resist, like stop trying to figure everything out. Stop trying to figure everything out and simply enjoy the wonder of God and enjoy the wonder of salvation and the mystery of it. Let the gospel overwhelm you. Let the gospel thrill your soul. The fact that God has done all of the work necessary for you to be rescued and to be renewed and be brought into a right relationship with God. Just let it overwhelm you and enjoy it. And then the other thing I would encourage you to do, this is the last one, is be open to the wonderful leading of the Spirit each day. Be open to the wonderful leading of the Spirit each day. And the most, the, the most effective way to do that is to listen. And there's two ways to listen. To listen through reading the Bible and to listen through prayer. And so, by the way, do you know the Holy Spirit is actually the one who empowered the writers to write Scripture no, no, but none of that's it's in here. Somebody's like, you know what? I think I'm going to write about God today. And they just put their best ideas forward. No, they were actually carried along by the Holy Spirit who's leading them, guiding them, prompting them. And so this is actually God's word. And when you read it, the Holy Spirit actually helps you to understand it. That's one of his roles. is one of his jobs. And he'll speak to you through it as well. And so learn to listen through reading the Bible, but also learn to listen through prayer. You know what prayer is? Prayer is not a wish list of all the things you wish you had, but you don't. What prayer is, prayer is intentionally placing yourself under the leadership of God. Prayer is intentionally choosing to rely and depend on God. Because you're going to him and say, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. If I'm leading this thing, it's going to blow up. I want your leadership more than my leadership. How would you do this? And if you'll read the scriptures, and if you'll listen in prayer, the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you. Now, I know for some of you, you're going... Okay, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying I disagree with you. But what I want to know is how will I know if I hear something, if that's God or if that's me? How do you tell the difference? Because so far, those voices sound a lot alike in my head. And so how will I know? I want to tell you, I have the same question sometimes. Is this God or is this Fritz? Is this just some random thought that's coming to my mind or is this the Holy Spirit speaking right now? I want to share with you something that's been really helpful for me through the years of walking with Jesus when I have those moments. I ask myself two questions, and the two questions are this. Number one, 
will this draw me closer to God? If I do this thing, will it draw me closer to God? Will I depend on him more? Will I rely on him more? Will it draw me closer to God? That's the first question. And here's the second question. That if I do this thing that I think God is telling me to do, will it please God? Will it please God? Will it bring him joy? Will it glorify him? Will it make him happy? And if I can't say yes to both of those questions, then I'm not, I'm not in. It's probably Fritz, and it's not God. And that's why you have to go back to reading the scripture to understand who is God, right? What, what are the things? Because God tells us what draws us closer to him. God tells us what pleases him. And so you read the Bible, and you learn, and you understand, and you discover. But if you ask those two questions, I think you will begin to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you more. And things that you pushed away, you actually might start doing and trusting God in real time. And so I would throw this out as an idea for you. It's actually, there's a next step on the back of your connection card. So if you'll find your blue connection card, pull that out, flip it over on the back. And on the back, it says, I'm going to start using those two questions. So I would encourage you this week, no matter where you are in your journey with the Lord, you might begin using these two questions this week. And so again, if you're unsure, I'm not sure how God would answer. Is, is this going to draw me closer? Is this going to please him? Where do you find that out? The Bible right? You read the Bible, and if you're still not sure, ask another growing Christian who you trust, and they'll be able to help you as well. But begin using those two, question, those two questions to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you wonderfully day to day. And, I want, and my question is, what would your life look like in wonder and in awe of God? What would your life look like if you started living each day expecting, anticipating that you would hear from God, you would sense from the Holy Spirit, that you would see him at work, you would see him moving, you would see him leading. How would that change your life? What would your life look like just simply living in wonder and in awe of who God is? How different would your day be if you expected to hear from the Holy Spirit? If you expected to see the work of the Holy Spirit, if you expect it to feel the Holy Spirit in the same way that you would expect to see, hear, and feel the wind throughout the day, how would your day be different? This is the question that has been challenging me all week. How would you approach stress differently, walking in wonder of God? How would you face challenges differently, knowing the Holy Spirit's going to lead through this moment? And I have to just trust him. I have to look for him. I have to listen to him. I have to, right? I have to lean on him and depend on him. And here's what I want to say to some of you. What if you could have a do-over on your life and start walking with God earlier? What would your life look like today? And here's what I want to tell those of you who have not come to the place of repentance and belief yet today. You can have a do-over that starts right now. You, You can't go back and have a brand new beginning. It's impossible. You can't do it. But what you can do is you can start right now and have a brand new ending. And it begins today. This is the wonderful gift of salvation that is led by the Holy Spirit. 
I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and to ask the question that we ask every Sunday. It's simply this, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment and what he would say to you. Lord, I have this sense that in this room that you have been making invitations, not not only this morning, but actually all week and all month. You have been speaking to people for the last few weeks, the last few months, even the last few years, inviting people to know you, to trust you, to experience rescue and renewal in a right relationship with you. And it is no accident that they're here this morning. It's no accident, it's no, you know coincidence that they're here today and we're talking about the very thing. Actually, you planned this, you ordained this, you led to this very moment. And so you are inviting, and I want to speak to some of you in the room right now that God is inviting you literally right now, and you know that, and you sense that, and you realize that, maybe for the first time ever, or maybe you've been experiencing his invitation for quite some time, and yet you've not known how to respond And and today, the Holy Spirit has helped you learn how to respond. And so what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's invitation. And just through a very simple motion, I'm going to do, I'm not going to draw it out. I'm not going to make it long. It's just going to be really, really simple. And it's mainly just for you to kind of make a movement that's outside of your mind that says, yeah, I remember doing this thing. And that was a moment for me. And so I want to tell you, if you're here this morning and you recognize that God's inviting you and you're ready to repent, right? Turn away from self-leadership, turn towards God and choose to believe him over anything else, right? That's how we respond to God for the first time. I want to invite you to do that, right? If you're coming to a place where you're like, man, I want to, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to learn how to follow him. I want to learn what does that mean? What does that look like? Where am I going? So if you're wanting to choose to repent and to believe, what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and I'm just going to ask you, nobody's looking around, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just so that I can see who you are, because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to walk somewhere. I'm only going to ask you to raise your hand. And so if you sense this morning that God is inviting you and you want to respond to his gift of wonderful salvation, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three three. Raise your hand in this room if that's you this morning. Oh my. Yes, I see that. Yep. Yes, sir, right here. Yes, sir, here in the middle. Yes, ma'am, here in the front. I see you. Great. Anyone else? Oh, yep, I see you in the back there. Yep. Anyone else? Anyone else? Wow. Wow. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. You can put your hands down. Oh, Lord, uh, you are speaking. That is, that is obvious. My prayer for my friends is that today would be a line in the sand where they would simply say, I know it's not going to be smooth sailing or everything's going to be the easiest from here on out, but I'm going to be holding the hand of the creator of the universe and that changes everything. That his Holy Spirit is going to be living inside of me and that changes everything. And I have a family here at Lighthouse Community and that changes everything. And my prayer is you would convince and they would choose to believe that that is true. And they would know that we will walk with them as long and as far as they will allow us to.
And you promise that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And so may you confirm through the gift of your Holy Spirit today that these people belong to you by grace, through faith in the person and the work of Jesus. We ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.